Welcome to yeah. CFG. I'm Krista, along with my sidekicks. One, two colleagues are <laughs> sitting next to you. Okay. Let's go. Uh, Freddie and Carson, how are you guys? Look great. Yeah, man. Oh, really great. That's <laughs> oh, God. Anyway, let's just get right on into it. Um, since we didn't film last week, I don't know which camera to look at, and it's really... You're supposed to look at us. Mm. It's supposed to be like uh, a natural like conversation. A conversation. Yeah. You might have had those okay. once or twice when... Never. When you were not getting AARP solicitations. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I don't like to tell you anything. Anyway, um... Let's get right into the stuff that we want to talk about. Um, who saw the video, you don't mess with the Dion? Well, not only did we see it, but you know that we made, made it. it. We I produced know. it. I know that. Yes. I, okay. Once upon a time, in the global capital of property disputes, a young boy, the Dion, was born into an Israeli family of aspiring entrepreneurs. Since birth, he was trained by his brothers and showed great potential as a salesman of used cars or even electronics. But he pined for a life where he could pursue his secret passion, giving haircuts to bondholders. So he took his mysteriously inherited fortune, turned his back on his contested homeland, which had recently arrested him for suspected tax evasion on that purported inheritance and hoping to legally domicile in the land of opportunity where any dream can be achieved if you work hard enough at hiding your financial schemes. So you've never given any haircuts before? I have done the uh, fair value blowout. I have teased the disclosures. Uh, you know, I twist the whole co-structures, make it very curly, you know how it goes. Okay, that sounds pretty basic. No, 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 no. It's silky smooth. I show you in my book. Is the same scheme pulled by king of haircuts, Donald Trump? He bought Atlantic City Casino Taj Mahal in 1994, 1.2 He goes public, transfers his own debt to bond and shareholders. They go to bankruptcy court four times, convince the bondholders to take less money rather than zero. See? Yeah, they get the haircuts. He pays himself millions. They lose 1.5 billion. Snip, snip. This is why he's so famous for his haircuts. And you're doing the same thing, but with office buildings in Germany. That's what I'm saying, yes. I aspire to be new Malecha of haircuts. In 2018, we shareholders transferring some office buildings, but as a loan. Or at least we claim we transfer them. Some actually in 2019, some maybe not at all. We recorded the loans at Vivian at 746 million euro. Said some building value is equity too, you know like we investing real money. So you're raising more and more money and no one catches on. We had one big whoopsie. I show you. Matanya Holdings Limited. That is a Cyprus company I control. Cyprus, baby! Who owns anything? In our Vivian records, that is company we had give Vivian 713 million euro loan. Uh, bookkeepers forget to hide, and Batania's account showed only gave 408 million euro. Whoops. Yes, big fucking whoops. Then asshole short seller come along and tell everybody. I want to make problem disappear, so we just put out another book, say, everything fine. You know, it's like a big home over. It distract bondholders. Silky smooth. You can't be making whoopsies if you're gonna pull off a hardcore scam. I just don't think you have the potential. <laughs> I know all about potential. I give you an example. In the beginning, German properties. I include two properties weren't even buildings. They were development rights. I inflated their fair value by at least double. That's about all what they could be. 
potential developments. When we transfer them to Vivian, we say, they were worth 85.6 million euro in 2018. Later, we dispose them. But our 2019 and 2020 total disposals were for only 43 million euro. So maybe half of fair value at best? Okay, making development rights hugely overvalued, that's kind of sexy. But what about the actual buildings? Are they even nice? Oh, let's see. Potsdamer Straussi in Berlin. Oh no, honey, these are old and gross. People work here? Ugh, you couldn't pay me to take a douche in this shithole. It used to be youth center for many, many years, very popular, then we kicked them out. It sat empty, now it looks even worse. But we write up the value anyway. Wow, neglecting older buildings. That is straight up elderly abuse. On paper, we neglect nothing. The old and the hideous, they need love too. Best part, we bought for only 25 million euro in 2013. Then we use a little bit of fair value magic and some friends. We sell them and a few years later, we buy them back again. Now we say he's worth 280 million euro. Lather, rinse, repeat. How come nobody cares that you're paying rent to yourself? Yes, asshole short seller again here. They find out rent 24. So we just say, oh, rent 24 only small tenant and I don't own anymore. In real, uh, rent 24 is maybe between 7 and 11% of German property rents, yes, okay? But I say 2.5%. We won't go higher. Stop pushing me. That is final offer. But how can you do that? You want the uh, demonstration. Rent 24 lease empty space at a big development under construction called Furst. We are about to buy it. But it was so empty, kind of looks like a problem. At the time, there is 20,000 usable square meter, maybe only half full, like Dead Sea. We get the Red 24 to sign paper saying they lease 9,500 square meter, so the other half, this space is filled with the stroke of a pen. Silky smooth as Ben Gurion's head. So you're just playing with percentages to basically hide that you're paying rent to yourself? But I can get that percent number down if I want to, like for asshole short seller. First I uh, cut a little off the top. Was 9,500 square meter, now just uh, 6,800. Then I just count all the space, include all the incomplete area. The whole development is uh, 108,000 square meter, maybe. Divide by such a big number, then the rent 24 is just 6.3%, not 43%. See, we didn't even complete the rest of that 88,000 square meter the whole time we held it. But just a little disco here, a little disco there, and there you go. So you just kind of tease the way you measure it? Yes, we just tell bondholder, oh, is market standard measurement, but is really my standard. Snip, snip. So no one can find any documents? Some schmucks dug through Cyprus filings and they just found out that way back in 2017, our controlling shareholders took 78.6% fair value gains on a set of properties. They untangle some of this nice styling. So did you take a 78.6% fair value gain and then stick those properties into Vivian? Yeah, probably. I never revealed my secrets, but wouldn't it make sense if those overvalued properties were contributed to Vivian to inflate the loans, you know, so we can make our shareholder loan look big and bushy? But like I say, they only just find out in 2023.
But at least Vivione does still own these shitty properties, right? Yeah, some of them, of course. Some we trade back and forth, you know, with friends. We make special deal, but not always own them exactly how you might think of the word own. I tell you, ownership is a state of mind. So let me get this straight. Vivione inflated the values of what it did own, sometimes with related parties, some that it later lied about, and in some cases didn't even own the property holding companies they said they owned when you were issuing the bonds? Yes, I just want to give lots and lots of bondholders uh, nice haircuts. I will do whatever it takes. That's the most brazen, bold haircut plan I've ever heard of. You're hired. You won't regret this. I will make the books silky smooth. So we've been producing more video footage because people don't read. Why are you looking um, at me? I read. <laughs> I we're we're going to get to I that later. Yeah. Um, and this one, this one really fell into place nicely from a cultural relevance standpoint, and also the Diane kind of rhymes with Zohan, which is uh, which is a film from the. Was it like mid two thousand? Yeah, like oh five or so. Yeah, I which I got to tell you, hasn't from a political, like correctness standpoint, aged well. I think every sixth word is fagula, which I'm pretty sure <laughs> you can't use anymore. Yeah, but but like, hang on. To, to be to be fair, like what what comedy that's actually funny has aged well according to that standard? I mean, nothing is allowed to be funny anymore. He makes uh, a point. Okay, so like to detour, but mm. this is some real shit. So, okay, I, we, we started talking about this earlier today, but basically I think every left of center to far left mainstream media outlet has hired a columnist to basically, you know, spout out a, le a regular column talking about like, you know, what's racist. So pretty soon they have to start looking at things that are completely non-obviously racist in order to, because they, you know, they want to keep their jobs. So CNN and its columnist a few days ago published this um, piece saying that if you're not black and you tweet out like a meme that has a black person in it, that's the most quote, quote, most insidious form of racism and that it is, quote, digital blackface. So what the fuck has aged well in this environment? Like if people are calling that shit out, I mean, any yeah. anything that was like, you know, aimed at an audience older than six years old that's intended to be funny has not aged well. Hmm. Should my phones get seized again? I hope they don't see all the things with the Nigerian like dudes with the coffins, because yeah, that's that's very digitally bad. Well, it's not me. criminalized yet. That's the good news. Not not yet. No, that's next. No, but it's but it's only like certain corners of Twitter that you know like will blast you. Like for example, Krista, you told us that you were going to show us your sign language on here, I did. but you were afraid of like deaf twit coming after you for doing it poorly and like you know signing the wrong way. That is true. So nobody has their sense of humor anymore. No. I mean, they do, but they're just, you know, you're not technically or you're not like allowed to culturally, but it's still legal for the time being. Mm. It's exhausting is what it is. I know, dude. Like I was addressing, like I did an email and Yanni said, oh, you said, hey, guys, and you can't. We were just talking about. Was how... he was he fucking with you? He no, might I, have been fucking with you. Maybe. No, but he wasn't. We were just talking in general how you can't say if, like, if there are women in the email, how it has to, you can't say. But there aren't any in the front of office, are there? Joking. Wow. <laughs> but, so first of all, I, I, I so take, I, I take. say, hey, folks. I, I mean, no, like, no, 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 no. Hey, folks. Like, well, make sure you make, make sure y'all tie up your horses when you come through, folks. Um, I always say, hey, folks. Have you ever noticed that? No, no. It's, it should be. So ever since there were people saying. You're wrong. So, so first of all, 
I don't ever believe in the you can't say. Because the moment I hear you can't say this anymore, like it becomes just to me, the word that I'll use the most. So I deliberately go to hey guys or hi guys, the, every single email addressed to a group, especially when it's mixed genders. I know, every morning when he sees me. It's always guys. See, for me, it depends hi which guys. people which I, are... which I didn't necessarily do that before, but now that it's like, oh, you know, like don't address people, fuck you. Well, well, for me, it depends who I'm speaking to at Muddy Waters, because there are two people um, in the team who have self-identified as retards. So if I'm only <laughs> directing an email at them, I'm like, hey, retards. But nah, if it's... Hang on, hang on, hang on. But there are three retards. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're in so the club, they... bro. <laughs> Why? Why is he in the club? He's still in the club. Oh, so yeah. Why? It turns out I my know. driver's license has What this... he thought was his Texas driver's license. Yeah. It's his fucking learner's permit. <laughs> That's because you don't read. Listen, I'm a big, I'm a big, no, it didn't, it didn't say permit. I'm a big picture thinker here, Chris, though, okay? It has this little letter B on it that means you can't drive without someone who's above the age of 21. So as far as Texas is concerned, he's got all the rights of, you know, a 15 and a half year old. (laughs) I know what you're laughing about because this weekend you're taking me out driving. So jokes on you, dude. Anyways. Yeah, but I think, she, I think you have to hand the car back. Me? I think you have to hand the you car back fast. to her when, before the sun goes down. <laughs> Sorry, do you drive fast? Krista, the last time I was in a car with it's you, no word of a lie, this is not a joke, we were passed by a cyclist. And it, wa- he there, was it wasn't, it wasn't, bike. it wasn't <laughs> bumper to bumper traffic. It wasn't like a regular bike. This, this was on, this was on, this it was in start. Sonoma County. Yeah, it was on, it, on West Dry Creek Road. So there was no, dra- cra- no traffic. Windy as hell. Oh yeah, so bikes will definitely outperform <laughs> cars on windy roads. <laughs> How was, stupid I of me. Being... I wouldn't mind. You, you weren't, you weren't like approaching a Tour you de France Peloton any or any shit like that. He wasn't even here. You weren't in the car, but I got to tell you, this guy goes past someone. I mean, you were on the way to my house, so I heard about this three minutes later. Like, wow, he's in a rush. No, it was a special driver. It it was. (laughs) But now Freddie can be the special driver. Yeah, Yeah. it was Lance Armstrong. He was going so fast. Anyways, pretty much. Yeah, but post doping, that's not an excuse. So, so anyway, three retards, and well. For one of them, also. The first time, I'm the, not one of them. The, the, <laughs> hey, man. I'm saying. I so, feel great in this So we found that the, one, the, the guy who we hired who doesn't know how to ride a bike in his 20s also doesn't know how to whistle yep. or blow a bubble with bubble gum. Or do this. Oh, he can't do that either? I don't know. I just added it. Oh, okay. Because for a long time, he couldn't snap. But he finally well, learned that one. Well, snapping is not easy. I mean, for a how blank year old? Anyway, very, very, very smart guy. Yeah. Ridiculously smart. But Let's just put that out there. You know, in Whatever I guess the the lesson is maybe the lesson is that we all have our what own, is the lesson? Our own ways in which we are retarded. Although or I can't really think of our mine. Our own ways in which we learn. Well, speaking of which, th- this so last you, well, this last couple weeks, dude, deaf twits coming for you. You have you have surprised me, honestly. You have really surprised me. So, probably <clears throat> the most impressive Here thing that I think I've learned about you is that you can sign. Mm-hmm. Like that is I'm pretty not fucking start impressive. No, but but here's the thing: how do you know? She can sign. Like, why would I make it? Was I don't even know how that came up. But how? But how would we know? I don't think she's a convincing liar. No, but maybe she thinks she's signing, but she's not. not. Oh, so wait, maybe, oh my God, that would be fucking awesome if a deaf kid told her that they were teaching Krista to sign, but actually they were teaching her nothing at all. So she's standing there doing this being like, God, I really suck at this. When it turns out you learned nothing. Okay, what have you, what can you say in sign? I'm not doing it now. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do it for the moment. Okay. No, but just say just say out no, loud not... what you want to sign. What? Well, what do you some saying? people listen to this anyway, right. so they couldn't see you sign regardless. Like, what could you so say? So why don't me, you say out loud? I'm not Wait. saying anything. Let's just, continue. Could you have like a full conversation, or it's more of a Q and A session? A Q and A. Okay. But how Can do you we... know? How do you know you're not just saying like filthy things? 
I'm, I know I'm not because How? I, I had to learn it for this particular job. Can we go? Can we please move on? <laughs> okay. And you know Latin. I, we found that out a moment we ago. We found that out too. Yeah, we? not bad, eh? Yeah. And none of this is on your CV. No. So it's it's interesting because, <laughs> I mean, today is as you you're fond of pointing out your work anniversary, your seventh anniversary of working here. Mm. And I only find this out now. So, like Krista, I could have used you as a Latin interpreter <laughs> so many times. <laughs> I, I want to send you to Rome <laughs> to interpret what for me. What the hell? God damn it. Well. Mm. That would have been yeah. worth some more bonus. I know. Sorry. So the real reason we didn't record last week was because we were both in such a good mood. Why were we in a good mood last week? Did we make money? We can't talk about that. Anthony oh. won't let us talk about that. Oh, you mean the moment of silence? Kind of that, yeah. Well, what are we talking about here? Just the general schadenfreude. I'm so glad you said that word. Okay. Schadenfreude. Yeah. Because you're so good at Latin. Because I am very good at explain, Latin. Explain what schadenfreude means. It's when you take the pleasure of somebody else's pain. Huh. So what, what are the Latin roots there? Well, Freud. Schaden. Let me take that apart. No, this is when I wish I was... Anyway, um, right. why were we talking about Schrodingfreud? <clears throat> or is it Schadenfreud? Schrodingfreud. <laughs> yeah, Schrodingfreud occasionally leads to Schadenfreud. Yeah. It's the only reason to do this. Um, because, well, it actually, I felt more sadness last week with, with credit Saudi's implosion. No, here's okay. why. Because this seems like... We've had a regular recurring segment on this show. That's true. And I think it's probably the only regular segment that we've had on the show. We, we went semi-regular with like this week in Tiger Global misery porn. True. But, we did, definitely. But yeah. like they're, they're less public than CS. Yeah. So basically we had this ongoing CS misery porn segment. And sadly, I think we have to put that to rest because... CS has been put to rest. What was amazing about it was this has been the most obvious, like, eventual death ever. Like, they got the kind of... I, I would say they were, like, terminally diagnosed in about 2018. And then all of a sudden, the world was like, oh, shit, CS is in a really bad place. Like, the bank might have some major issues despite it being very obvious to everyone that that's been the case for about at least five years. And so we went back and we kind of put down on paper and we're going to have, I think, a little montage, hopefully, to remember the better times for CS. And that will have come in and will be silent as the nice music plays and the headlines over the last five years play. Um, but what I, what I do like, there, there are a few awesome little kickers with CS. Um, the AT1 bonds getting uh, zeroed. zeroed, and then everyone being like, but fuck, the equity holders didn't get zeroed. Now, having read a little bit more, I actually think that's not as insane as it sounds. No, it, it, it makes sense, especially with the, the provisions of these AT1s. Yeah, but I like that they did it anyway. Um, the former CEO, TM, coming out and kind of saying that it wasn't entirely his fault when much of the bad stuff happened on his watch. Um, but there is a silver lining to all of this in the form of Michael Klein. My favorite investment banker, your favorite investment banker, just a man whose value to the world knows no bounds. Michael Klein. What's next for Michael Klein? Um, well, let's look at what didn't happen for Michael Klein first. All right. Well, first Well, let's look at first what did. So for those of you who don't know, Michael Klein was regarded as the consummate deal maker. Now, 
What that meant was this dude always had a pair of knee pads waiting for him in Riyadh mm. because he would go there and basically just like shake shake the Saudis for cash constantly or maybe shake his ass for the Saudis. I think it was more shaking yeah. his ass, yeah. Well, I don't know, mouth, ass, whatever. But <laughs> the but the thing is like this dude was Mr. You know, I'm embracing the Saudis and I'm helping them try to launder their horrific reputation, you know, with the uh, the money consumers of the rest of the world. And um, anyway, so on the back of that business, <clears throat> when um, SPAC mania hit, this dude uh, through his firm Churchill Capital, well, I guess before, I guess before we talk about Churchill Capital, I think his advisory firm is M. Klein and Associates. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, apparently times were pretty tough, like right when COVID hit, because that dude, M. Klein got, I think it was M. Klein, got a $900,000 PPP loan. I mean, God forbid, you know, a dude worth half a bill have to like actually dip into his own pocket to keep those, you know, worthy uh, employees who are, you know, I'm sure doing something more noble than curing cancer employed. Um, but anyway, he went beyond that and tremendous comeback in 2020 when he did several SPACs, including Multiplan, um, which went from, I guess we published on Multiplan. That was the first activist short, like, subject of this SPAC boom era actually was us on multi-plan. The funny thing about it was we were looking at it prior to the SPAC deal mm -hmm. being launched because we were like, wow, this thing is really fucked up. I mean, they had public debt. It had, had so we were going to do a bond short on it. Um, I think three private equity firms. Had mm. I think five, uh, PE, five or six PE consortia had basically, you know, like just corpse fucked it. Right. Um, in a row. And they were like, oh, dude, we found this idiot who will assign equity value to it. This is awesome. They didn't get it. They didn't think he's an idiot. They're just like, he's one of us. <laughs> and right now there's, you know, there's a, a ready market, you know, to just puke this out into uh, the public. So I, I don't think they ever disrespected Michael Klein in that way by assuming he's not in on the in on the game. And, you know, they were probably a little pissed off that they didn't think of that first. But yeah, that, that probably is disappointing for them. So, takes this in public, <clears throat> goes from $10 to a dollar. So, even amongst like SPAC garbage, that's still pretty decent market cap and absolute performance value destruction. Yeah, because the initial valuation was like what, around five, six billion, if I remember, or? Yeah, maybe even more. Um, yeah. So, that was obviously the real audition for the Credit Suisse first past and spin out. Like, they wanted a guy that was going to make them look as competent as they've been making themselves look. Well, for he's the last been on decade. the CS board, I think, since what, 2018? Uh, I don't know if it's that. It's, he's been on the board for a while, right? Mm -hmm. Obviously, the solution to CS's problems is to back in the investment bank into his like grubby little SPAC business, which he was going to pay himself. Or like, like I think it was going to value his little SPAC well, business. Right, he was selling that. To, right. he, was, he was selling his advisory business. That took the $900,000 PPP loan, I think. I think it was that same business. He's going to sell that for about $200 million yep. to CS or to the spin-out. And, and then he was thinking that they could take this public, you know, talking about valuation of $5 billion. <laughs> <laughs> and true to his SPAC promoter form, like 20% of that was going to be left for himself and employees, which, you know, himself. Right. Um, so anyway, that was all lined up and that was looking great until uh, until just the other weekend. When his own pal, the guy, at, uh, whatever it is, like Saudi. The SNB, Saudi National Bank. Saudi National Bank. It's interesting, Bank. you had two SNBs involved in here, yeah. Swiss National and Saudi National. So, you know, the guy <clears> makes <throat> this kind of off-the-cuff comment that ends up like tanking the whole of CS. He's probably the only Saudi national to lose a billion dollars and actually be fired for it. Like to my mind, I can't think of anyone else who's been fired for such a low level of incompetence in that seat. You know, I, I think saying he got fired is probably a bit of... No, probably, I, I, I probably think... Probably when you get fired there, when you do get fired there, it's they probably... They throw you in a furnace. What, yeah, I, I think there is literal fire involved. 
<laughs> exactly. Um, so anyway, yeah. but this blew up Michael Klein's um, plans for CS First Boston since UBS bought it, and um, yeah. So the do so UBS has said that they're they're undoing this, and um, and Klein is not going to get to sell his. They're questioning. They're also questioning the valuation placed on the transaction. That's. That's obvious to anyone who wasn't on the CS board. Right, because he's still like entitled to advisory fees, I think of like five, 10 million, five or $10 million or something like that yeah. for you know, advising on how to make him, how to enrich himself with other people's money, which I mean, dude, the guy's a baller of a banker. I mean, yeah. that, there's a reason why this guy was so, so well regarded in I investment I like how banking. he recuses himself from <clears throat> certain parts of the discussion of the valuation of his firm but probably not from the bit where he's like, well, I'm, I'm gonna need $10 million if you guys are gonna discuss this in the other room, like as a guarantee. Well, not only that, but it's like, you know, by the way, if, you know, I know you're hoping to work for, for me afterward here at this firm, so <laughs> just keep that in mind as you discuss amongst yourselves. Yeah. So, I don't know, what do you think he comes back as? Do you think he does the kind of like? You mean in like like a mosquito? You mean like a reincarnation? <laughs> no. or? I mean, is he is he gonna like turn up as a Verizon reseller like Omar Khan, like Omar the Khan. Mobile, <laughs> working in the mall, push cart? Yeah, you know, is he gonna is he gonna like merge his firm with the best parts of like Roth Capital and just pivot straight to shitcos? Like, where's this guy gonna turn up? Are we, are we gonna have a dick fold? Like, hey. We're going to bring some Chinese companies public via reverse merger. Like, where does Michael Klein turn up in a few years? I don't know, man. Maybe, uh, yeah, maybe he turns up here. Mm. I wouldn't be surprised. His competition for the Vietnam product? Yeah, it could be. I don't know. Like, you know, if you decide you're not sticking around here much longer, Krista, maybe I could hire him for your job. I don't think he would make a good... Cocktail? No. Nah, probably can drink them well. Probably can. I was gonna say, I don't think he would be a good queen of secretaries, huh? No, I don't think he would either. I don't think so. Anyways. Anyway, what's next? Talk to me. Uh, Anything good? Anything juicy? We should touch on Silicon Valley Bank. Silicon yeah. Valley Bank. Are you guys happy with that? We are, but not for the reasons people think. Not because we made tons of money shorting it. Because we're not customers. But not for a lack of trying. I think it is really important to establish that like many banks, we tried to become customers of Silicon Valley Bank and they said, well, well, no let me, well, let me also point out that the last failed bank we just discussed, yes. Credit Suisse, turned us down for prime brokerage relationship in 2013 That's because true. the reputation risk committee had met and decided that reputationally it would be too risky to do business with us mm. so clearly they had their priorities straight we knew that cs was terminal when they started doing business with us because <laughs> clearly they fired everyone in the reputational risk management function they're like ah oh, fuck we've got no one left no they no we knew they were fucked because they obviously realized that there was no reputation left to put at risk yeah so um so way back when we'd we'd both tried to get personal accounts with silicon valley bank and um it's because we wanted to get loans against our stakes in the fund and this this is something that's like pretty Typical, it turns out, for VC and private equity, where the underlying assets are totally illiquid, but and highly subjective in their values. Right. So, um, you know, I, I did much pleading. I um, I highlighted where I'd lost money, um, a small business I'd started, and um, oh, that's funny. Okay, yeah, I, I yeah. Don't, you don't have my follow up. But, so I. Yeah. I got a um, resounding. What, what was what's the date of your email exchange? So mine's October twenty first, twenty nineteen, uh, with Jeff Thompson, who I'll bet's looking for a job. Um, Hi, Freddie. I'm sorry for the long delay. I was not able to get the exception support necessary to move forward. 
this is for my like dick thrusting nobody account. It's tough to get exceptions to our target market definition, which limits to entrepreneurs and venture capital, mm-hmm. private equity investors within the technology ecosystem. Best of luck with the fund. <laughs> and apologies, I can't be more helpful. Thank you, Ryan Fix. Okay, so. You have something that's so yeah, better then, than So then in a, well, it's in addition to. So January of 2021, friend of mine um, emailed Jacob Mosley at Silicon Valley Bank and introduced us and said, Jake, I'm CCing Carson Block here. Carson is buying a blank dollar-ish property that he'll want to refi. He's a very successful hedge fund manager, so non-standard income. I immediately thought of you guys to help. Can you connect him with someone on the private bank side? So then he comes back and says to this guy, yeah. He comes have, back five days later? Uh, I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, Happy New Year. Good to hear from you. Thank you for the connection. SVB's private bank is really very targeted on the innovation economy and specifically on VCPE investors and tech life science entrepreneurs. So this may fall a little bit outside of our PB's remit. With that said, I've included my colleague, so-and-so, who's happy to connect Carson to connect with Carson to explore either how we can help and or share some thoughts about who may be better placed to help meet Carson's need. And then Carson is very good to meet you. As mentioned, let me introduce you. I'd be happy to take a call with you and better understand how he might either help. Okay. So um, anyway, as Freddie, so so as Freddie brought up, I guess when you were talking to them, how you had made an investment in this great company called Juicero, that when it failed, I mean, Bloomberg did like a great article on its failure because it turns out that you didn't need to buy their like $2,000 machine. You could just punch, punch holes in the... (laughs) In the concentrate package. Sit on it, yeah. yeah. Exactly. But hey, they so, spent like $200 million developing the technology <laughs> behind it. And I mean, it, it was patented. It just they couldn't escape the whole like, you know, pen, uh, the patents on that. So anyway, but I look, I, you know, the next day I, I replied and I decided to also cite the same, the same set of facts. So I said, um, I think you can make the, a case that we're part of the innovation community. One of my partners lost money on Juicero, and I once threw money at a crypto thing and actually got made whole. And I think our focus on enforcing accountability and transparency in the capital markets is quite innovative too, given that there seems to otherwise be none. All kidding aside though, I'm happy to speak. So anyway, this led to an offer to introduce me to somebody at Wells Fargo. (laughs) So anyway, um, yeah. Got to tell you, if you are if you are a financial institution and you're listening to this, and we come to you and want to do business, all right. If you say no, bro, the fucking Grim Reaper is right over your shoulder. If you say yes, <laughs> you have no. Uh, what's the if what's the fun, yes, what's what? that department then called? We, then we know you're really fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> we know you're really desperate. Desperado. No. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. Man, you guys have so anyway, yeah, we're we're very happy uh, with that. So, um, mm. which I guess oh, everything's making sense now. This is all making sense. Good, and it, and it's too bad that you know neither of these venerable institutions is around to redeem themselves the way McKinsey Consulting <laughs> is here in Austin. That's true. So, what what are McKinsey doing here in Austin? Well, ironically, we rent its previous office here in Austin. That's now our office. That's true. And they moved out of it to, um, yeah, to like, guess, get a bigger office, even though they apparently never used this one. Um, You know, like, I I have to say this, you know, about McKinsey. I mean, all kidding aside, like, you know, and when you think about greatness of companies, um, they sold us all our furniture for four thousand dollars. It's pretty fucking awesome, man. Like I can't complain. We either we either would have had a much less much less cool office, or would have cost a lot more money. So either way, you know, every time I walk outside the office and see these, you know, fentanyl, opioid addicted, derelicts, you know, yeah. derelicts, like you know, 
taking a shit and you know and then sleeping in it um you know i and i think gee mckinsey you know you really did a lot to cause this i think but we have a conference table that converts into a ping pong table right and that was part of the four thousand dollars so you know i mean as far as i'm concerned they've you know they've they, they don't have to do what they're doing they already i already have a very warm spot for them in my heart as a result of that but they're going above and beyond and they I really are, wouldn't want to know what would have happened if you had <clears throat> gone back and be like, let's call cool it that nine three eight fifty. Like would they have spent the time going back and forward or did did you overpay? Well, I have talked to people who've dealt with McKinsey um, as a potential LP mm-hmm. and I've I've heard that the negotiation process is extremely arduous and long. And so I don't know. I would like, like to stop you there. I actually befriended the office manager who used to be here, and she told me, you know, they were about to they were about to just give us stuff for free. <laughs> but we Fuck me. That's true. I should have thought about like how much it would cost them to move the shit no, out. No, because because they looked into some like uh, if you got like the the, the junk people to come and what is it called and then oh yeah the 1-800 junk junk. you had to pay them 1200 bucks and they're like oh jesus let's just give it to dude look how fucking upset he is now i know man (laughs) fuck these guys they got one over (laughs) on me again (laughs) they're nothing but they're nothing but this is nothing they're nothing but fucking toxin (laughs) fucks did we almost get the printer? What happened? At, like there was a big printer that we got. We no, no, no. Like, it, was, it was a photocopier, but they, uh, but they rented it, so they, yeah. it was a leased photocopier. But I know and I we're like we made it. We made it big. Yeah, I know. I was like, well, I finally have one of these huge fucking like photocopiers in in the office and, of a company I own. It's like who cares about uh, the photocopier? I mean, when you, you own a business, you really have to look at you know certain things as milestones and. <laughs> You know, like, well, you got to stop and smell the roses every now and then and say, look what I've accomplished. Like, I've got a dome speaker on the conference table. Like, that yeah. was all, that was a lifelong it ambition. That's sign. It, it, language. Yeah. Right? Does oh, that, that does sign language in Latin. Yeah. I, I mean, that's awesome just knowing, like, you and I could go back to ancient Rome and you could still do your job for me. I just, you know, I couldn't do mine, but. Yeah. Who cares about you? Anyway. Just imagining Chris through an ancient Rome. Just strolling down the Via Appia and going to the Forum Romano. I think I would be bored. In Rome? Just go yeah, to the, uh, just just go watch them throw some Christians to the just, lions. Yeah, yeah, I was like, thinking about, um, what was that, that movie? That, 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 was, was, the fir- that was the first incarnation of AMC. <laughs> <laughs> Little mini theaters where they threw like Christians to animals. What film was it? Was it Taylor in through Rome? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm thinking. Hmm? Okay. Oh, you mean the TV series on HBO? No, Elizabeth Taylor. She was in, what was it with um, her husband, Richard? What was famous? She made it famous. Uh, Richard Burton? Yeah, Richard Burton, right. But why was it? What was it? What was the movie? Forget it. Uh, I always think Gladiator. That was, that was Cleopatra <laughs> in Rome. Good, good job you polished up in your Latin. Um, but didn't Mark Antony bang her? Okay. Seriously. Let's, let's just bleep this all out. Really? I think so. What? I mean, at least that's what, what happened in the about? in the TV series Rome and HBO. <laughs> Stop it. Seriously. Right. Let's continue. Um. Anyway, so we've covered a lot of good stuff. Um, Mushroom fungus. No, no, no. I, that's. <clears throat> We didn't even explain what McKinsey's doing to help Austin. Yes, but. what are they doing? I assume oh, yeah, I we don't, don't, don't have what, ample don't access to opioids so, here. So, I, <laughs> yeah, well, because they just had South by Southwest here, right? So, like, the supply, you had all these dudes coming to South by Southwest to get, you know, to beg for money and buy. Twice when you yeah. heard our doorbell ring, it's been tweakers. Really? Yeah. And what have they been asking? Have they... Like, <laughs> Like I'm soliciting for UNICEF. <laughs> like, like, oh. like, what the fuck? Did... 
I mean, yeah, I guess you can't, like, yeah. I, mean, that's uh, I gotta tell you. You can't look for rhyme or reason <laughs> To be there. honest, that kind of upsets me, because every morning when I put my finger in that, I know the tweakers are putting oh, yeah. other things in that. Yeah. So. Oh, Can Jesus. you wash that on the daily? Can you oh, get a, a swab thing? Yeah. Oh, my God, you're right. Dude, Jesus yeah, Christ. It's fucking seven. gross. That's, 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 that's like the homeless glory hole. Yeah. Holy shit. I didn't think about that. Yeah, they think that's AI. Oh, that's why I never touch that thing. Well, how do you sign in with your fingerprint then? I go to the back. Oh, <laughs> you know, they've they, they never worked that out. There's no tweakers in the alleyway that stinks the high heaven. Oh, God. That sounds so... Oh. Okay, that's just... They're both, they're both glory holes, dude. I'm just... I knew you were going to say that shit. Okay, well... Are we done? Especially because, you know, like, I think fentanyl takes a little bit of a toll on the functionality of the male genitalia. So that's probably just about the right size, that little thumbprint. Oh, man. Oh, I'm going to wash my hands like every fucking day after I come in. and you. I'm going to start using the card again. Yeah. Yeah. It's gross. Worth it for the space it takes up in the wallet. Yeah. I, I, hadn't, I hadn't thought of this before, but... Um, I'm glad we that's No, I'm I'm glad we've had this ex, this explorative journey together. <laughs> it's you know, it helps. That's um, it. What's the last thing? Who wrote that? No, no, hang on a second. So but, so anyway, McKinsey is here. Be, oh, yeah, they've, why is they've, they've offered to pro bono advise um, Austin. I guess there was a bond measure that passed in twenty twenty authorizing the city to um, pursue a light rail development and um, Anyway, so yeah, a like, light rail. Yeah, light rail. So that's kind of like a liberal thing. And Austin, unfortunately, also has a pretty wait. Light rail is a liberal thing. I don't. Yes. As opposed to what trains? No, as opposed to cars. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, I mean, like you know, just it. It's pretty tough to like just all of a sudden lay down light rail here, right? But of course, like many cities that had been governed like by pro- by progressive. Um, governments um, until fairly recently, they created all of these codes. And so it's really fucking difficult, like all these ordinances and building codes and it's set in land use codes. And they've got 12 different government agencies that apparently need to coordinate with each other to do this, but so far have not coordinated. And so the recently elected mayor um, in this press release, he announced um, folks, that's about to change, you know, like the lack of coordination. And I'm like, okay, you know, it sounds like this guy's about to go in there and start like, you know, knocking heads together. And he goes and he, and he goes, so McKinsey and McKinsey and company has, is going to be consulting pro bono on how <laughs> to, how to get through like the fucking red tape that has you know been why? created by this form of governance you know, in the first place. You know, no, I know exactly why. Probably the McKinsey internal hedge fund has bought up all the land oh, yes. ahead of like exactly where the rail needs to go. And then they just send them in. They're like, hey, trade's taking too long, guys. Like these fucktards, like too many different like departments. You need to right. go mush right. this all into right. one department the, and build we, the track. Basically, we've identified yeah. a path that minimizes the amounts of non ordinances. <laughs> and it happens all be land we own, but you know, but pro bono, baby, like... You know, we'll knock those heads yeah. together for you. Yeah, exactly. You know, I just, think that's the trade. Guys, bit. if you stay oh, till 501 and sign these papers, we might hire you. Yeah. So, you know, like get that shit done. So anyway, yeah, that's that's the, you know. kinsey has got it going on. That's my assumption on the on the trade there. It's pretty smart. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I mean, look, we, we went from talking about great selfless men like Michael Klein to great selfless organizations like McKinsey. So, yeah. So yeah. Well, right. listen. Oh, you know what? I mean, I guess that's the other part because I heard that they never used this office, and so they never well, like they never, they never they like never a- stuck their fucking fingers in the glory hole. <laughs> Damn God, it! They, God, God they've ab- they absolutely fucking bamboozled me. Yeah. <laughs> and he's one of you. Oh. All right. Yeah. That's it. Um. No, dude. What? I'm asking you, what? What do you mean, what? Read off the board. 
I mean, you know, like. We, that's stupid. And I don't even know what you're talking, what you're referring to Cheetard. Cheetard. Oh, Cheetard's <clears throat> a pretty cool thing. He was actually really upset last week when he it, learned I, about I Cheetards. Had, so like I had the weekend before last, the weekend before we were supposed to film, and you know, we wrote this on the board. I initially had this great weekend because, you know, Credit Suisse and, yeah. and all the schadenfreude there. Yeah. And then so that was two weeks ago. I was over at Soren's place and um, oh. and he said something about a Ligard or yeah, Ligard. Like the fuck's that? It's a cross between a lion, a liger, a lion and a tiger. I'm like, nah, you're, make, you're, ma you're making this up. You're totally making this up. I Google it. It's true. And then there's also a Tigon. See, it depends on which one is the male, which one's the female. And so then I'm asking, like, huh? It totally reminded me of that South Park. Wait, I why think does it depend whether it's a Liger or a Tigon, depending on whether it's like the male and the female? Like, Wait, like if the like if the if the tiger's the male one, it's like a Tigon or vice Are you versa. Just this part no, no, up? this is this is real. So anyway, they tend not to live very long because like they often have. <laughs> they, they often have like genetic issues. genetic issues. The real so. reason, because the Chinese emperor takes them, removes their penis, grinds it to dust, and assumes that snorting it will somehow improve his masculinity virility. or virility. Yeah, yeah. that's right. the real reason. So so anyway, I was like, well, wow, man, you know, can can like a, a tiger mate with? Um, a cheetah and you know look that one up and it turns out no and then like Soren got his phone and I asked about a cheetah like I'm trying all the different yeah. permutations of big cat that I can think of and I'd asked him about cheetah and leopard and Soren's like yeah yeah it can like you know oh were you, really were and you he, both drunk at this point no actually I had not had anything so Soren goes yeah it's called a cheetard <laughs> And I'm like, what? A fucking cheetard? And he's like, yeah. And so then like, as, so then as we're watching, like, you know, watching whatever he had on, like, I think it was the, you know, final, uh, March Madness. Every now and then he'd go. <laughs> and so I came home and, you know, like I, I, I told I told yeah. my wife that I'm, I was like so happy. I'm like, dude, there's something called the cheetard. This is awesome and they also like i think they don't live very long like you know because they're fucked up so yeah i went all the way from like saturday till tuesday thinking that the cheetard was a real thing and then when i came in here and was telling you guys about it, and you're like no and i'm like i'm like no it goes like but i looked it up and i found out that i'd been fucked with and um so I, I, I was gotta, so I was I was heartbroken that there's no such thing Soren. as a cheetard. He, he's on a good run. So we've been chatting recently, and he's got this this new thing. So in in our business, you meet a lot of people who are pretty fucking out there, and they're either like interesting, but the least commercial human beings you've ever met, not very interesting, or very commercial or totally just way out there in terms of what they actually think's going on. Like a and, lot of conspiracy theories. Right, and like very non-grounded in reality. And he's kind of coined the term for them. Uh, he's like, oh yeah, they've got brain worms. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I just think it like so perfectly encapsulates my lack of ability to kind of place why it is that they think what they think at that given time. And I know, I don't know if there is something that like exists or doesn't exist that's kind of loosely connected to brain worms, but it's such a brilliant way of describing how you feel when you get off those phone calls and you're like, yeah, I was just chatting with somebody who's got like a really bad case of brain worms. And it doesn't describe them as being like a bad person. It's just like, Nothing about this was particularly functional or moored or grounded to any reality yeah, that totally. I exist in. No, you're you're right. It's a great, great time. For years, and this is this is real. Like for years, yeah, often you'll take the first call with somebody. <laughs> and like I always ask you, first thing I ask you after the conversation is, you know, was he sane? Yeah. But this is a much better way of like, yeah, of understanding it is brain worms. Like that there's some like that there are 
multiple large parasites that eat through the brain <laughs> tissue, <laughs> destroying the synapses. And it doesn't always make itself like very obvious at the start of the conversation. Like you're not going to get on the phone and be like heavy breathing and be like, "What are you wearing?" Like at, at certain points, it can manifest. So one of my favorites was going back almost a decade, we had these people who bought this very credible and actually very interesting case. And it had to do with, um, it was a listed business and it was a real business, but people were, had worked out a way to kind of effectively cheat and steal from the platform. And the company was in on it, ultimately. Yeah, the company basically had realized that a certain group of people were finding a way to kind of cheat and instead of kicking them off the platform, they said, okay, we'll just effectively tax your winnings very heavily. And it was all pretty credible and interesting. And this person had like, you know, pretty detailed information that checked out. And we were kind of at the point where we were discussing how the economics would work and they were having a hard time getting from the point where they Cause, didn't. Because it had like a market cap of like 1.3 billion yeah. US, which at the time was kind of a number. Yeah. I mean, that was before things went completely bonkers. And, and they were having a hard time just understanding the difference between how much market cap, um, you know, might be kind of lost based on the report or how much well versus what you can make shorting it versus what you can make shorting it and you know as we also explained to him so of course really, they thought that like it, it, like us exposing would immediately send it to zero which you know is the first right you know that's like the first evidence of creatures craziness. in the brain and then and then the other part about it was you know, they felt that their negotiating leverage was, well, if we don't work with you, we'll just go to the FBI. And we said, well, look, that's fine like, if that's what you want to do. But you understand that, you know, the company will just say, hey, a few bad apples, be dismissive. You know, they're not going to be like if they just publish this on some random blog, they're not going to be taken as seriously. And well, um, I think it was we'll we'll find guys with money we'll short it and then we'll go to the FBI. Right. Which is like- And when we pointed out know. that the FBI typically doesn't like, you know, just get you at the front door and then they're like, okay, cool, we'll shut the whole thing down. His response to that was that um, they would have to take him seriously because he was going to chain himself, chain himself to, to the, the railing at their office. At their office. No way. A yeah, little bit he like- He kept saying he, this. <laughs> I mean, he's, so he's, he's like got a Northern English, like Cockney oh, accent. Fabulous. I'll, I'll, chain, I'll go to America and chain myself to the railing. So for me, it was a bit of a cross between the villain in Snatch, Bricktop, and that scene in the Ali G film where um, he chains himself to the John Nike Leisure Center on a hunger strike and he's eating the chicken nuggets. So it's kind of like brick top chained to the railings being like, oh, fucking feed him to the pigs, whatever. Um, yeah, he definitely had bad case of brainworms, that dude. Really severe case of brainworms. Um, I would like uh, to sit on some of these calls. And the he reached out not too, too long ago on something different and it was just like, bro. I mean, he got so brainwormy on us by the end. I mean, it was it was so it was a good. I feel like brainwormy almost sounds nice. No. No. Uh, would you like us to call you, <laughs> refer oh, to you in that way, or? Yeah. That would be nice. The things that you call me. Things Sorry, I yeah. call you. Anyway, different episode. Go ahead. That's no, it. Not That's... really. I mean, it's your seventh anniversary. I thought you wanted to. No, I thought you wanted to let me know how much you appreciated the opportunity and all the wonderful things you've learned. All the wonderful things you've learned here. How much I've overpaid you. All these things. Nope. You know what you get though for your seven years. This year. is what he like leaves me all the time. Just doing business in China for dummies or. Who was the uh, Who was the co-author on that? Uh, this guy Rob Collins. Huh. Yeah, somebody I knew. I knew from Chicago. Actually, I got connected with him. Are you friendly with him anymore? It's when was the last time? It's been a few years since we've uh, communicated, but I mean, he, we had a good uh, we had a good relationship. So, he doesn't have any friends. 
Well, did, I mean, we effectively did, did he, some did business he, together. Did he by really have an MBA, or did he just stick that on there because he was like, "Fuck it, no one's going to check." Really it's China. Exactly. Hmm. I don't say like Dude, Esquire I, on there, do I? Yes, do. I do. do. Yes. Oh, that was so lame. <laughs> so yes. fucking lame. Chris, I just I, know, bec- I, I just become a lawyer. Actually, Actually I just quit being a lawyer. To be fair, it was only two years ago he dropped it off his email. <laughs> uh, to be fair, on his letter to me, it said Esquire. I was like, what did it? Page? Yes. <laughs> yeah. When I yes. Awesome. No, that's bullshit. A hundred percent. I was like bullshit. Oh God. I bullshit. It's not bullshit. Okay? It's bullshit. It's not bullshit. I haven't gone by Esquire for well more than seven years. Okay, Dude, let's these bet are actually that's better than nice. Awesome. Okay, not What's money. That? Common business blunders. This should have been a okay. segment, eh? This was actually good. This Giving is this away is a good too book. much information. Partnering is a shortcut. Failing to instill your corporate culture. Not offering career development paths for employees. Well, we failed on that one here. She's still... <laughs> actually, you've been promoted from secretary to, uh, what is it? Executive assistant? To hostess? First no. First of all... To... Registering IP too this... late? Oh, dude, I do know about that one. What do you mean? What's the point of registering IP in China? It's just teaching well, no, them how so to for, do it. No, no for, no, for trademarks, for example. So here's the thing. You only... So China is a first-to-file system. So what a lot of... Huh. Companies, well, a lot of companies have fucked up, especially in um, you know the like the early you know like the early part of the two thousands, is they would go to China looking for joint venture partners, and mm-hmm. they'd meet with these potential JV partners, and they would tell them, oh look, you know we've got the number one brand in you know producing these tools or in doing X Y Z, and the Chinese guys would be like, ah, interesting, and then they would go and file in China the trademark. And so then when these dudes later, they're like, okay, we're going to set up uh, our joint venture here. And they'd realize that they don't have the trademark. And these Chinese dudes that they'd pitched huh. um, are, are the ones are basically like, yeah, you know, that'll only cost you, you know, $5 million to buy the rights uh, to the to your trademark to use here in China from us. So that's that's what it it was really referring to the um, to trademarks as opposed to patents. So how many books were sold? Oh, very few. We got an advance from Wiley for this, and um, and yeah, we never we never earned back our advance. It turns out that when you're, you know, what? I'm going to read this later, but I am keen to understand hygiene in China. <laughs> okay, hang on. Let me see. I mean, I had to pull this a lot of punches. Like <laughs> let, me, let me read this. Let me read this. Ooh, I, I just want to. Okay. okay. Plan on using the bathroom at your hotel, your office, or the factory you visit. The public bathrooms in China really were meant to serve the masses. So take advantage of a clean bathroom whenever you can. This is awesome. Oh, this is, is absolutely, dude. Here. I mean, you're, you're fairly germaphobic. I imagine you must have, for the first like few weeks in China, been like, what the fuck? Well, yes, but. China, you've only known me since I since after China. True. And so China is what made me a germaphobe. Okay. Uh, That's yeah, the thing. Like I that. wasn't I wasn't so a germaphobe till I But then when I'm just like, oh my god, like the disgusting the disgusting how are you? Pre China he's putting his finger in a glory oh, hole every morning to get into the office. No, no, no. Pre 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 No, pre China I was like pre China was like, oh, all these people worried about germs are total pussies. Like but then when I got to China, I'm like Oh my God, the things that people do. And I mean, because I would see people take, you know, like I'd be in the bathroom, somebody like comes, somebody comes out of the stall having just taken a like big shit and they just walk straight out the door without washing their hands. I'm like, oh my God. And that dude looks like, you know, I mean, he's well educated. Oh, and the tales that I heard when I was working at the the law firm, the tales I heard from the American women about the women's restroom? Oh, actually, what about okay. when we were in SS? So, the the tales like, I hear. No, when no, we were in no, SS. No, 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 Wait, no. Okay, hang on, and hang on. No, no, no. Remember, I'm, listen, you, you can't, remember, listen, you can't, you can't compete. You can't compete. Okay. So, <laughs> all right. So what, so what was it like in, so this was at, this was at a, this was at a Western law firm, one of the biggest law firms in the world. The Chinese people who worked there were the cream of the cream. I, well, okay. Yes. I mean, the best educated, some of the brightest. 
and it's so, a very well known and so the women, so the women's restroom apparently was constantly because they were they weren't big on tampons there. It's like okay, just stop. And so it's constantly this the the fucking byproducts like used sanitary napkins overflowing from the I trash cans, lying on the floors of the stalls. I mean, and so the women, you know, like from America who worked there. I mean, this was like a. And I get it, a fucking rant of theirs, just how disgusting, like nobody took care of, like nobody took care of this shit. Disgusting. I don't know. know. Like there's this one time we were hanging out with this like Western guy and he had a a Chinese girlfriend and he he turned to my wife. He's like, oh, you know, can you go with her to show her how to use a tampon? My wife's like, what? What? Yeah, I mean. Was he drunk? that was way like that was over the, the line. Morning, and it was a business. Yeah, event. he was Australian. Uh, we, we were actually, <laughs> well, you know, we were, at, we were at a swimming pool. And so I think his girlfriend was like scared to get in the water. So that's why he's, he's like, oh, you know, this what? Western, this, you know, this, some, this American woman will tell you how to, uh, anyway. Like when I, when I wrote that part about the bathrooms, okay, <laughs> I wrote, I wrote from the heart. I, I wrote from the heart. <laughs> Like that shit's real. Okay. Take advantage of a clean bathroom in China, like wherever you can. Cause like one of my first self storage customers, he, he had a really dry sense of humor. And I remember talking to him one time and you know, he, uh, he was like an amateur photographer. And so, um, so it's just like, I don't know. I, I don't like, I don't know what caused him to say this, but he's like, yeah, I've been thinking about doing a coffee table book, great public restrooms of China. I think it'd be a big huh. seller. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I wasn't the only Westerner who did not so have an appreciation. So it's funny you say that. I, so when I was like backpacking around Southeast Asia, oh. it did occur to me that like the Lonely Planet Guide covers a lot of stuff, but it didn't really do a great job if you're a Westerner of like where you could go and actually have like a half decent toilet. And it did occur to me the relative to a lot of things, that's actually a place of like great discomfort for Westerners when they're traveling. And I was like, I wonder if just the little like kind of lonely planet side, and this is obviously before we got Puber, Puber up yeah. and running. Puber, Puber International. Right. Yeah. Well, I wonder with Lyft, um, they've just taken on some new management if they might be more open okay. to some new ideas and that mm. they could kind of bulk up, buy Puber and then sell themselves. Hmm. Because it's probably a little bit but limited. It, but, it, but Uber, I mean, the name works so much right. better. I mean, what would we call this? Shift? <laughs> <laughs> With a little moustache on the, on the seat. <laughs> you lift it up. Yeah. Uh, I like Uber better. Yeah, Uber is meant to be. Cool. Tackled some big shit this week. Yeah. Yeah. Just, this is a good one. For those of All you right. who are listening... Krista's signing us out. Oh, can you say in Latin that there's no such thing as a cheetard? I can. Here we go. No, I can't. I can't do it. Can you it's sign that? Some, I, can, I can sign it. Just do the cheetah sign. No. Go on, do the cheetah it's sign. this. That's cheetah? Yeah. That's dog, right? Yeah. How did you know that one? I just feel like that's kind of obviously dog. I feel like you do that a lot. That's crocodile? No? I don't think so. Where did you learn that? What's I thought that was, it's time for me to masturbate. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well, signing off. <laughs>